explicitness renders it visible. What is invisible, woman's Oh my god, I'm having flashbacks to it, critical it theory. Tries to shed Apollonian light on woman's anxiety. We have entered darkness. The hour 18 of pornography of is the serpentine tangle. The attempt to exercise is human the Paglian astral parasite from Thompson's consciousness. Um, you gotta wake up, Frank. You gotta, you gotta uh, pick up the pace. I'm, I'm, I'm very tired, I'm very tired. Pornography cannot be Here, done I'll see if I got this. Hey! Forever. Hey! Uh, 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 Shithead! Uh, hey, yeah, hi. I got your attention for a minute? Fuck! <laughs> it's been a while. Exploration of these ideas is Edmund Spencer's Renaissance, Renaissance All right. Um. I could so... just hit him really hard. It's not going to solve the problem. It's just going to make him shut up for a bit. And where's the problem? Pa he's going to pass out from exhaustion anyway. The The parasite can last a while, but the body can only withstand so much. What's the opposite of Paglia? What's going to what's gonna shunt this thing out of him? It's lickety split. Well, we've tried Zizek and Hemingway and Derrida, which was a big mistake. Oh, uh, God, the Derrida hours. I'll never get back. All right, to, to explain a bit to the uh, listeners here, uh, you guys probably know, have noticed that Thompson keeps bringing up Pagley and shit unprompted on the show, and th this is an issue that's been getting steadily worse in the day-to-day -day operation of the studio, to the point where uh, I, I think, I'm not sure how much of Thompson's left at this point, um, I brought in Sex is an uncanny moment of some incantation uh, I brought in some help from outside of triumph of friend the of the show Kate one domination new member into another the new entrant to the studio the our friend CJ hi there uh, I'm CJ uh, I have no last name I keep my name jealously guarded from uh, the feds the Fay, and anyone else who's trying to get my IP address including you Bruno fuck off um, anyway, speaking of our mutual friend here, I think he's something like 60% critical theory by volume at this point. More uh, critical theory by volume than my critical theory text. Yes, that is the pun. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have a great job. I get to make puns for a living. <laughs> Sometimes if you can trigger a revulsion response strongly enough... They'll spit it out. Uh, I guess I should say who I am too, Frank. Go, go for it, Kate. You've been on the show before, yeah. but anything to... Yes. Uh, my my name is uh, Kate Cargill. I wrote One Shot's American Dreams, which is turned into Australian Nightmares with this Pagli astral parasite. Uh, and so I am a returning guest to the show. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. Get Somebody get me some liquor. <laughs> I don't know if that'll help. Well, I don't know. It's Dionysian. How do you feel about Dionysus? Uh, no! Dionysus. No! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to get his uh, attention again, because I think... All right. Um, All right. I think we need something a little bit spicier. Uh, how do you kill a god? Let's, let's, let's walk away from the literature for a second. How do you kill a god? I think it's very hard to kill a god. I think it's very hard to kill an idea. Otherwise, it wouldn't be taking us 18 hours to try to exercise what's uh, all things considered a much smaller idea from one guy. The easiest way to do it might be to prove that that god never existed. 
Uh, all right. Um, I, yeah, this has been my idea. All I had left was, I mean, what fuck's on my shelf? Anatomy of criticism? Paul Fang Newman, but I don't think that's going to help. Uh, it's probably going to make things worse. I'm so tired. I don't think raw absurdism is going to help us either. No. Okay, yeah. I, lo- I like this plan. All right. Yeah, you... So? Okay, yeah. What, what's let's your idea kill an right idea. It's not gonna, a gun's not going to work, right? That's no, all I know. I mean, well, the idea of a gun might work. Okay. But I think That's it might be a little easier to go after... <laughs> view me! View me! All right. Uh, okay, I think I got an entrance here. Um, okay. uh-huh, entrance. Uh, of course. If a gun is supposed to be the phallic expression of male hard power... What would be the natural outgrowth of feminine soft power? Uh, Symbolically, like in in physical form? Yeah. Okay, so it would have to be something that stops someone, like, like has to actually stop someone. So it can't just be, like, a raw symbol of femininity that doesn't have any power behind it. So it could be, like, flowers or something like that. It'd have to be something that isn't, like, a physical barrier that would keep someone from moving forward, if that makes sense. I think it's a hole, like a cartoon hole. Oh yeah, like you a can literal just drop cartoon on the ground. Hole. Sure. And somebody falls into it, and they're unable to really do much from inside there. And I yes. think that the ultimate hole is the alleged naked goddess. Huh? What? Like it's a as, as like a signifier. It's a signifier without a signified. You might say. Oh, we're talking about the yes. naked goddess. Ooh, this is relevant. <laughs> oh hey, we got Thompson. Thompson, are you? Yeah. Are you? Oh Jesus! Hey, are buddy, you back? can hear us? Oh. I was, I was, I don't know where I was. It was someone, it was, it was dark and warm and dank, but I'm free. Uh, of course the way yeah. we get Tormson's attention is we start talking about hole. <laughs> look, I am, look, I am a not a stereotype. Hole. Yeah, it me a little bit longer and I'll upgrade all the way to talking about vagina. There we go. <laughs> I am, the, I, I will not be, like, typecast in such a manner. But, okay, let's talk about the holes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you insist. All right. Okay. Okay. This is for your so, benefit, not mine. At the benefit okay. Of no. 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 Okay. Recording? It seems like the naked goddess talk is enough, right? This is distracting. Whatever. We've deployed our our feminine soft power to get Torm out of this fix. All it's thoughts of beautiful him. boys have been removed from his head, at least for now. We are going to see if Look, we can... I, I, I did not defend Paglia's obsession with beautiful boys. I know it, it, there were some problems there. There Tor- were some, some problems. Buddy. You, you have been conscious for, like, hours. We've been trying to exercise you. We've been trying to do some consciousness raising, if you would. Yes. Yes. You should, you should have given me some liquor. I mean, that's the other side of Dionysianism. Buddy. Did, we tried that, uh, like, 15 hours ago. Well, maybe that... Yeah, maybe you should have done that then. I don't know. Whatever. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's keep on this topic before before that thing comes back. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep making your argument. It sounds like an interesting one. Shit. All right. Uh, this is this is a theory that I've had for a while. Uh, some of you may recall the Federal War Gaming Manual on Armies Unknown that was published sure. uh, several decades ago and has been updated a couple of times since as new regimes have fallen in and out of favor. I've heard there's a podcast about it. Nice. Uh. Oh, that's right, I've listened to some of you guys' work. It's really nice. Uh, I'm great to listen to while I am... Uh, Redacted. Yes. Uh, anyway, where was I going? Right, Naked Goddess. Uh, according to the Wargaming Manual, there is allegedly an archetype called the Naked Goddess who 
has founded or inspired an entire cult and I think at least two that I'm aware of, possibly three different uh, magical schools. One, apparently an avatar and two adept schools over the last 30 years, which is pretty unprecedented. Uh, And they claim to be one of the only cults, or possibly I think the only cult, that has caught the ascension of an archetype to godhood on film. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I bet if you look, you would find evidence of the Heisenberg messenger ascending. But they were the first to make that claim, and they have been the most steadfast in that claim. Uh, I believe that it would be much like the moon landing, easier to fake than to do. Uh, I'm fairly certain that those tapes are not legitimate. Uh, and the original master copy of the VHS tape that started this entire movement is currently lost. Uh, if it even ever lost. existed. Well, yeah. there's, you know, wh- however the this copy was achieved. certainly exists. Yeah, however it there was achieved. So- they, 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 however it was achieved, special effects some sort of unrelated ritual or whatever. There is some sort of master tape here. Right. That this yes, came from. although I, could you is there proof that the Ascension is actually on that tape? Or or even a facsimile of, of I mean, how, if it's not how would you know like, is Ascension is non-falsifiable. Like, would you know an Ascension if you looked at it? Right? Well, I guess I guess that's a point. It could be static, but if that's what an ascension looks like, is is static. Well, there's there's the argument that like the descriptions of the the tape is that she does like burst into a a glow of light as she ascends. But is there that have significantly been people... different than a major unnatural phenomena? That's true. But also, but one thing that is important is like since that tape's come out, is that that's how ascensions are described. And it's not, I, looking at older records, ascensions weren't always described like that, like a burst of glowing light, like Doctor Who. That's clearly Doctor Who. Um, (laughs) Earlier ascensions weren't necessarily, like, portrayed that way. People could just, like, there were stories of people just disappearing or dying and going up to heaven or, like, like, uh, how apotheosis happens isn't necessarily like Doctor Who. So maybe the Naked Goddess tape, if it's legitimate or if it's fake, it still had an effect on how people conceive of Ascension. And that might be one of the reasons that might be... Because we know that there was a connection between Dermot Cain and the Naked Goddess in various ways. And I'm wondering if like, he was part of that because he could have been trying to cover his own tracks because people are still unsure about whether he ascended as the Heisenberg messenger, which is on brand and having this sort of idea of like, oh, if he ascended, he would have gone into a glow of light. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just disappeared or it was some other way. Sidebar. Who's Dermot Arcane? This is not a bit of, I apologize. It's not a bit of lore of of lore I know much about. No, that's chill. Uh, We can do some history lessons here. And I actually am not entirely sure on what he is and it has not been involved with over the years. Uh, I think I heard some rumors that he was involved in the failed ascension of Alex Abel. Uh, I have... Otherwise, what I know about him is that he was a... uh, What's the word? He was a news reporter, journalist, uh, back in the day. Uh, And by the day, I mean the late 90s. Uh, 
early 2000s. He allegedly exploited a national convergence of the ley lines in order to reach the mirror of heaven. Uh, Do I entirely know what that means? No, I do not. But his entire gimmick was that he wanted to supplant the previous understanding of the messenger with the idea that the messenger itself is the message, that depending on who is bringing you the information, the information itself changes, Uh, that everything is subjective, and that you can just lie to people and change the truth if you have sufficient authority when delivering that information. Okay, that Correct makes me sense. If I'm wrong. I I agree with that interpretation, but you'll see, you'll hear this that interpretation a lot from traditional messenger like orthodox types because like the thing about the the Heisenberg messenger is very much associated with like echo chambers and like very biased news fake news and things like that but the idea that like the message was infiltrate like was affected by the, the the medium that was part of the messenger in the old days like the messages like this is the official decree of the government or the king or whatever was always part of the traditional messenger sort of ethos at least if you go with the theories that the the ascension of the Heisenberg messenger replacing the messenger has been related to the rise of the type of media that we have now versus the past, while media in the past, the message of the past was very much like everyone sitting down and watching the same news broadcast. Only for but a very that brief wasn't period. True. Yeah, yeah, I was only... I was gonna say if any way if anything, in some ways the way that media is now is more like the way media has been over the course of human history than the sort of thirty to fifty years where it where it's what what you were describing yeah. where people sit in front of something and receive news. Yeah, like look at look at Hearst. Look at look at fucking Hearst. Yeah. Or like even further back when, when all news is just disseminated through hearsay like then that strongly affects the message to the the probably the most cartoonish example of this is like early people who whatever country had not been visited yet by uh the people bring back the stories of foreign lands that country was filled with uh freak humans who had no necks uh or or legs or, or of giraffes yeah or some such some such nonsense that turned out to be not true. If anything, I wonder if the change is that that brief 50-odd year period where news, whether deservedly or not, was considered very trustworthy, led to us associating media with truth in a way that wasn't really thought of in the past. And when, as we've shifted back to a sort of messenger archetype that's more coached in the language of media than... It was a hundred odd years ago. That's where the Heisenberg messengers come from. Interestingly, I think it was only due to the fact that we had this 50 year period where some other messenger was reigning that claimed it was an arbiter of objective truth, I think is the only reason why the Heisenberg messenger was able to claim power more recently, because it was stepping into an arena where it could say, I have the truth, just me, only me. I can tell Mm. you the truth and everyone else is lying. Uh, if there hadn't been this, like, already assumption that the messenger brought truth in some way, I don't think he would have had the ability to say, uh, only this messenger has the truth. But that's not what he says, though, because he's, like, Heisenberg messenger is all about the fact that truth can be different for different Yeah, it's people. all about such subjectivity, which ties into, you know, 
you know, postmodern magic and all that, right? The important thing is remember here is like most of the information that we get about the about Dermot Arcane and the Heisenberg Messenger is from documents that were prepared by a couple of feds. So how much do you really trust it? <laughs> well, it's a couple of feds. It's uh, the Burger Queen, though her attempt at a failed uh, ascension is something that her people would very much like to remain buried. Um, and then there was some guy in a truck. I think I remember seeing that one on Live Journal for a while. The, the other thing, I guess, to keep in mind as far as ascension is that, the you know, we keep seeing it described as... You basically, yeah, like a Doctor Who transformation. You turn into glowing light, shoot up into the sky, all that stuff. But, I mean, I think it's very possible that a large number of ascensions that have happened even recently just haven't been recorded or haven't really happened when other people are around. Though, I think the key reason why people put weight on the Naked Goddess tape is... Not what it claims to be, though that's the only part of it. More the effect it tends to have on people who watch it. I haven't seen it myself, but you know, you hear all the stories, right? Of people seeing it and having spiritual epiphanies, all that stuff. Now, it's not like that stuff can't be faked. But it does see... Witnessing the tape does seem to be somehow effective in the secular naked goddesses recruitment efforts and if it is fake i wonder how they've pulled that off i mean if anything that's that that almost seems like like that gives daphne so much motive to to make it just like that you know what i mean because that's that shape gives her all of her legitimacy the other thing is that that makes the naked goddesses ascension a little weird other than looking like doctor who is that this is the only time i've ever heard of where Ascension retroactively relate, uh, erased an entire person from history. Other ascended archetypes, we know who they used to be, like famously, because people then go after all their shit. Well, we assume that. We assume that, but it could be that, like, people that were erased in history before have been forgotten. If archetypes, if uh, uh, ascensions, if that is a thing that does happen and it is normal, maybe all these things of, like, suspected, like, avatars in history is just contemporary nonsense. When, like, if someone ascended as the true king, but uh, there's certain things like ascending as a true king and then reduce and like erasing all remnants of a king's reign. I mean, that happened. It makes history. less usually but, queens. Yeah, though. it makes less sense for like the current true king, though, right? Because part of kingdom is a narrative that you know legitimizes your rule in some way. That's tied in pretty heavily to the archetype. Whereas with the naked goddess, right, the whole thing with her is supposed to be this inscrutability, this unknowability, and supposedly what happened is the ascension brings her to this, um, when she ascended, she became retroactively more unknowable, but I think CJ, I, I think I understand what you're getting at, there, that is awfully convenient for anyone trying to build a religion around this figure, right? Right. By having the core tenet of your god and the story of how your god became a god is that they stopped being a person and you can't find anything out about them except for the stuff that we would like you to know about them. Like, here, all of our porn uh, videos. Please copy them obsessively. Uh, that's very useful if you're trying to create a religion with the concept of we can prove verifiably that our god is real and our religion has effects. 
without actually having that god or those effects. Yeah, and one of the interesting things about the naked goddess archetype is like if you like the tab- speaking of holes, like the taboo is is kind of a hole. <laughs> it's not easy to follow because it's not clear what it actually is that you're not supposed to be doing, if that makes sense. Yes, we also only have one alleged recorded uh, avatar of the naked goddess, and she has never actually said that she's an avatar of the naked goddess. She just yes. kind of shows up, says cryptic shit, and then walks away. Okay, uh, I I know a little bit about the history of the sect of the naked goddess. I, I, could, yeah, could you tell like the history lesson, dude. Well, no, like, uh, do you know about them? Like, I, I was, um, I, I'm interested in this argument, um, but I can do it too, I guess. Uh, who wants to handle this? Tormson hasn't spoken up in a while. Maybe. Tor- hey, buddy, are you good? I, I, yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think no, about I, the all-devouring mother? Can you pick up? Oh! oh <laughs> well, well, I call it the all-devouring milf, but there we move go. on from that. Um, okay, okay, I think we're good. <laughs> See? The, See, we're doing good. It's working. I bet you do. <laughs> the goddess, the naked goddess, the legend of the naked goddess was a porn star who achieved ascension in, while engaged in a videotaped sex act. And that was something that was very, like, it was talked about a lot in the 90s um, because it was something that was, I guess, it fit with the, it was maybe edgy. Um, it was a combination of the, what is the perceived profane and the sublime. And it was at least a popular story, and there was the tape that was created. And as you mentioned before, uh, Daphne Neely was was the uh, one of one of the cinematographers. Sorority sexpose. That's right. Uh, the, the woman now known as the Naked Goddess, co-starring with Don Crosby and Ron Steele. And then she burst into golden light, and if I remember correctly, her partners were. I don't know how to put it other than severely astrally burned. They, they, we still don't know what happened to them. Um, they, a lot of people were looking for them back in the 90s because they figured whatever happened there was probably, probably left a lot of, uh, well, for lack of a better term, residue on them. They pretty much just disappeared. So it's not like the tape shows them being turned to dust. It's not an Ark of the Covenant moment. Um, nobody really knows what happened to them, and still nobody knows what happened to them. I mean, one of those uh, fake Nazis from the Ark of the, uh, from that one Indiana Jones movie, his face did melt into white goo. That's, 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 that's God true. They may just be pure, uh, or- <laughs> they, may, they may just now be pure organ. Oh, yes, that actually, that, that fits, that fits, so they, ap- they were reduced to their Apollonian essence. You got it! Fuck, you're coming right, back! On. Okay, the, the tape, the master tape, which may not exist, but it did. Well, there was a tape because we don't. Yeah, know we, that I think that people. there was a. I think there was an original tape. I think there had to have been a master tape, otherwise you couldn't make all these fucking copies. And it did definitely have supernatural powers. The original plan of Daphne Lee was to broadcast the tape on live TV, but somehow, and no one knows how, the tape was stolen by parties unknown, um, and the one of the people that was going to help them to broadcast this tape uh, was apparently torn apart by an atropomancer and then never mentioned again. Um, so that is, then after that, because Daphne's plan, the plan of her sect was, and still is, to 
released this the glory of the naked goddess to the world and this is what often i was thinking how the next sect of the naked goddess differs a little bit from say mac attacks where mac attacks wants to have a magical revolution and um show the world the truth of magic and sect of the naked goddess also wants to do that but only through them through the naked goddess specifically yeah they want their truth to be globalized yeah they don't exactly have much of a plan after all right everyone accepts the truth of the naked goddess and it is interesting to bring up that um for some time at least daphne lee was part of the larger goddess cult do they ever explain what the larger goddess cult is um, neo pagan, yeah, okay. so it's, um, it's theosophist sort of deal. Very modernist. Like the moment of the war game goofing because uh, the idea yeah. that there is like some sort of global unified worship of a goddess yeah. question mark is bizarre mm-hmm. and uh, feels very wrong. Uh, if there is a church of the goddess somewhere question mark and anybody can agree what that is, I would be stunned. Yeah, I, yeah. List. I, I think it's more the more of the idea of and a lot a, a lot of pagan group neo pagan groups, especially ones coming out of like second wave feminism. Um, there was this sort of uh, it's nowhere near global. My understanding is it's largely like a like neo paganism in general, uh, largely a United States and British phenomena. Um, and it's not organized like this is not an organized religion this is just a lot of this is the idiosyncratic beliefs of like a couple of people who were like you know yeah. Beyonce song God is a woman yeah, yeah exactly and Daphne happened to know those those people yeah exactly like in, yeah these are the sort of beliefs that you saw in certain um, circles a lot in like the 70s through 90s but they weren't that big and they were never anywhere near organized and that's where the whole idea of the sect comes from, I believe. Of There's this larger cult of the naked goddess, however big that actually is, I doubt a, it. A cult of the goddess, not the naked oh, goddess. Me, because yeah, it was the right. cult of the goddess and the sect of the naked goddess. So, and I think splinter. there is something there, but it is not, it would have to be very specific. Because I noticed that on the original uh, website of um, the federal agent John Tynes, before he got picked up by the, um, by the Shell Company used by, uh, by um, U.S. intelligence, known as Atlas Games, he did refer to Daphne Lee there and referred to her as the Hierophant, where later in the actual, in the war game, she was referred to as the Imperatrix, as the leader of the sect of the Naked Goddess. And Hierophant was associated with the Eleusinian Mysteries, the, the ancient uh, Greek cult um, that disappeared. And I could easily see, like not a global goddess cult and the other Indian mysteries wasn't only a goddess cult it was all about um the it was a cult it was it was a cult of demeter and persephone um but i could easily see a modern sort of uh late 19th century early 20th century uh revival of that maybe not global but at least in chicago and I feel there is some evidence that Chicago and the fact that the sect of the naked goddess starts in Chicago is very important because I was reading in the, the second book, the second ed book, about um, what the goals of the sect of the naked goddess were. And they describe it as dwell in the metaphysical temple of affinity where desire and synchronicity become one blazing truth. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Desire and synchronicity. <laughs> And then I thought... And they never a- explain it. They also never tell you what the hell affinity is supposed that to be. That sounds like some Lacanian yes. bullshit, I'm going to be real. 
it reminds me a lot of something which is described as everything one, one wants or needs can be satisfied by believing in an outcome repeatedly thinking about it and maintaining positive emotional states well this is pretty so the the secret? that's the secret that's the secret well, now the, yes. the secret but, actually but, was yeah it comes to it's an early american movement right the the idea that pause of positive thinking that that's like pretty that. oh, yes. that's pretty standard chaos magic sort of shit so no, but that's it predates pretty even standard that. cult shit. Also very yes. true, yes. There's more. It's almost like There's that's more. not coincidental. The Secret was written by someone in Melbourne, in Australia, but she based it on a book from 1910 called The Science of Getting Rich by a man <laughs> named Wallace D. Wattles, who was a member of the American New Thought movement and active in Chicago. And where did The go. Secret become popular? It became popularized by Oprah Winfrey, from Chicago Harpo Studios, now home to Hamburger University. It all starts it really? to come together. <laughs> so I think, yeah, this this is a very much a Chicago sect of a Chicago cult related to the New Thought movement that fits in with, like, modernist magic and maybe Daphne Lee was associated with them but decided to do her own thing and perhaps by faking an extension. I would totally believe that there was, like, a singular... Uh, not church, but I, I would totally believe that there was like a goddess cult in Chicago, almost like a mailing list yeah. or like a little uh, yeah. Tupperware group that Daphne Lee was a part of, you know, where they were like, let's all get together and read the feminine mystique and worship goddess. I totally yeah. believe that that existed and that Daphne Lee peeled off from that, especially because some accounts of the way that the early church or that the early sect spread was that it was her showing the tape to her buddies one on one, like a Tupperware party. It, it also does kind of tie in with sort of Daphne's Daphne's way of running her cult on some level like both in the way that you just explained CJ but also like in the she has no she has no real strategy right like it's just sort of it's like she can find this tape and then wish this sort of into existence if that makes sense it's it's contrast quite strongly with both uh jerry or gary's sort of approach to the call and with with mira's although that's that's getting to the later stuff so i'm wondering because alex abel was big into like getting the naked goddess cult uh get the naked goddess tape at the start and i wonder if it was a manipulation like trying to get this news out that there's this this magical ascension tape but the tape itself it's not what's on the tape it's the tape itself that because everyone starts to act like Gollum going for the ring um and that creates the mystique the feminine mystique hey there you go nice it i like this the 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 hoax theory is 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 it has some legs to it the key thing for me is that like yes this the sect of the naked goddess is a textbook cult it is pulling blatantly from positive thinking it seems doctrinally this mix of like the positive thinking movement the goddess movement with some standard sex magic sort of shit. Because um, you gotta I have some... call this standard sex magic. It's the least sexy sex magic I've ever heard of. Most <laughs> sex magic isn't that sexy when you get down to it, to be honest. Uh, look, look into anything that Crowley wrote to, if you want to get that confirmed for you. Um, well, anything that Crowley wrote on sex magic specifically. But um, the key thing for me is that 
most organized religions fall into this in one way or another, I think. Especially smaller ones trying to get their feet off the ground. It does just... It doesn't necessarily mean that the mystical event that they're based on, that they formed around, didn't happen. It just means they're falling into the usual traps that large human organizations tend to, especially ones based around vague mystic bull... vague mystic bullshit. So... But, like, the fact that, like, Daphne Lee does have a lot of a motive to this, and that there's a lot of very interesting stuff. We've talked about this before in our channels of communication, but what are you kind of getting at with this argument, CJ? Where I'm going with this is that I think Daphne Lee had a really good motive to try to fake an ascension and to build herself a cult for very similar reasons as Alex Abel did. And I think the chain of events was that Alex Abel dropped his keys first. The Naked Goddess cult comes into being at some point, and then Alex Abel gets real mad at them for reasons that don't seem to be well-defined. Uh, I think that, especially because the Heisenberg messenger ascended not long after, I think that there was probably, I mean, with the, I'm mixing my words here, we do know that there was some kind of like mystic ley line convergence that happened in the United States lay later along the highway system that did lead to an ascension event. I think there was probably some, I don't know how to call it, mystic static working around at the time. Uh, some sort of charge that's built up? For a lightning rod. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, and I, I think that uh, Alex Abel is an example of somebody who the charge settled there for a second and then flew away it didn't land uh and then i think that another example of this was daphne lee i think that if you were to do some uh retrocognition scrying on daphne lee which i have tried and has not worked uh, <laughs> uh i think what you would find is that at some point she had a similar failed ascension personally and like alex abel it, I, I think she was unable to let go of what she almost had Unlike Alex Abel, she didn't turn around and say, you know, well, I can get it back. I'm going to recapture the magic somehow. I think instead she decided, like, if I can't be a god, I could be the hand of the god I wished I was. Or I, I can create a god that would allow me to live a lifestyle on Earth that is appropriate to the station I almost held or feel I deserve. Which is the divine arbiter of the one truth. Interesting. What do you think she almost ascended as, then? If the Naked Goddess... So, the, the big implication of this is that the Naked Goddess is not actually an archetype. I don't think that she is, and I think that Daphne Lee probably would have gone up, uh, similar to... I, I think since that charge eventually did land on the Heisenberg Messenger, I think that Daphne Lee probably would have gone up as something like the Hier Hierophant, uh, where it's somebody who was an arbiter of truth. I mean, she worked as a videographer, uh, she, I think, also had some work as an editor. She was responsible for deciding, ultimately, which version of simulated events people were going to get and use to jack off to. Uh, which is pretty intimate and pretty important and got widely distributed. Well, yeah, and there's something to be said there for how much porn influences the cultural idea of sex. And how, when you think about it, it could be influencing that a lot more than it already does. I'm trying to think about how this explains pornomancy, though, because Daphne Lee was famously the first pornomancer. 
There's something. And the Whoa! Others, and the magic does work. So how? Paradox. How magic works like how magic works when you believe in it. Yeah, how magic always works. Paradox and belief. I think there is a circle. Like I just sort of inherently can't square with someone who claims to have seen a divine truth from an archetype and then becomes an adept. Like those two. Like, an archetype is a way of understanding the world that applies broadly to anyone. An adept is someone who sees the world in a way that's so idiosyncratic, they sort of warp reality around them, and they just, they sort of seem mutually exclusive. Like, I feel like an adept would never follow an archetype. Like, not in the literal sense of they couldn't walk the path of an avatar. Ironically, I almost think that's easier, but, like, an adept would never, like, see an archetype as a god that they would follow, if that makes sense. But some of the documents do suggest that the earliest adepts came from Avatar yeah, cults in ancient Greece. But then again, that document was written post Naked Goddess. This is so. also like, yeah, like the, the ideas of Avatar cults having an adept springing from that have been floating around for a while. But this is the only semi-concrete example that I really know of. Or especially the only example I know that's come about in the last couple centuries. Interestingly, I think that the second coming of the Naked Goddess pun absolutely intended. Uh, that event, which I'm going to get into a little bit later, I think actually has a very good example of an adept school forming around the actions of an avatar. I don't think that that went exactly as reported in the federal reports, but I... I mean, they've got this woman named Jerry, who was an old-school, angry, second-wave feminist, uh, very turfy, very uh, ragey, and she came out of that moment basically going, everything I understood about the way that the world worked is wrong, I've been in a cage the entire time, and so has everyone else, let's break all the cages. And that founded an adept school. I mean, I don't know if we want to call it a school, considering that they are aggressively anti-community and um, oh, anti-social. Mo- most adepts fall into that category, so the shoe fits. Right, but they've made their magic out of it, specifically, and that was a direct result of Jerry witnessing something. And we also have the one example of a naked goddess avatar out of that, which is interesting because we know that there were people in the sect of the naked goddess way back in the 90s that were trying to imitate her life, do a lot of things that sound a hell of a lot like following an avatar path, but... Or being a persona mancer. Also true. But not getting any sort of charges off of that the way... Well, excuse me, not getting any sort of mojo off of that the way that someone channeling an archetype would. Well, CJ also has a theory about that, though. Okay, interesting. (laughs) And I have a theory about Jerry, but that's uh, we're not anywhere near that topic yet, so I'll hold off on that. <laughs> so I think it might be good to kind of do the quick would like to continue with the historical recap here, and then we can pick it apart. We get the Naked Goddess cult. Uh, some it starts with Daphne Lee. She's working as an editor and a videographer for a porn company whose name I forget in Chicago. She has a friend who is a porn star. Uh, they are decently close. She's friends with a lot of people in the industry. I think this is where, uh, and then the federal history goes, that porn star explodes into light at the end of the recording and Daphne Lee takes her particular copy of the day's events, shares them around with friends, starts a religion. Eventually the tape is stolen and uh, the sect of the naked goddess 
starts a kind of gang war with the new Inquisition for control of Chicago and uh, not liking each other. I don't think I ever really understood what their beef was other than, yeah, I, I don't understand what their beef was other than, like, on the one, you know, in this corner of the ring we have phallic, masculine, hard bullet power, and on this other side of the ring we have feminine, soft, sexy, feeling-y, desire, soft power, question mark. Nope, we're not going there. Supposedly the motivation behind Alex was that uh, the Naked Goddess's ascension somehow stole his ascension, but that's not how any of that works, as we've discussed before. Um, it's vague, and I, I, frankly, it just seems like a post-hoc motivation for your usual um, adept gang, usual occult gang turf war. Right. It, it could have been Alex Abel was one of the ones who sort of pushed the idea that the archetype the naked goddess ascended as was the woman everyone can have but you which i've always had a problem with because it doesn't make sense as an archetype because and it doesn't make sense for a porn star to be that archetype like what is that archetype even like it's it's too personal it's like oh she'll have sex with anyone but not me specifically that's not a universal archetype that's like an individual's resentment and incel Thoughts. It feels like a fundamental misunderstanding of how the femme fatale archetype works. Yeah, and not we'll only that, that like, <laughs> and the, the, the whole, one of the big points about, like, pornography is to break that suspension of disbelief, is to establish that suspension of disbelief, right? So it becomes very right. strange for, of all figures, a porn star to be the woman everyone can have but you. Oh, excuse me, the woman nobody can have. No one watches porn and goes like like that. It's like, oh, she has sex with everyone, but not yeah. with all me. Well, like, no, there's probably some sense. people like that, but that's a very specific... Of course. Yeah, that's a very specific demographic. Yeah, it's too specific. That's cuckoldry porn, yes. specifically. Yes, exactly. That, that, that's a very niche, niche appeal. Like, the hoax theory is very compelling, uh, but it's not the only theory out there. Um... There, like there is the possibility that the naked goddess did ascend as something. I think that the idea that she ascended as the woman everyone can have but you is is, is ludicrous. Um, but if there was an ascension, what did she uh, ascend as? My thoughts on that is like have always my, on that issue have always been that it has to have something to do with more um, the sort of parasocial relationships you see these days, the way people treat um like e-girls and e-boys and they they sort of like like um projecting all these like feelings of friendship or like um connection to people online in a way that's different from how it was in the past with like celebrities well yeah i was wondering if that the seeds of that maybe started with porn of somehow somehow maybe like because of the projection the naked goddess is a figure that came out of pornography. And pornography was very different in the 90s from how it is now. But supposedly that archetype is still in place in the statosphere. Assuming that it's not a hoax, which, yeah, I I think there's definitely something to that. Your idea about e-girls is is interesting, though, Torm. And I know some people, I haven't read the star very closely because it's not anything that's come up in any of the materials I've needed to use. 
I was but actually, that was where I was going to go, was say that yeah, I my, think that she ascended as the star. Okay. Yeah, I know that some people feel that current, that the star doesn't resonate very well with modern ideas of celebrity. But yeah, that does, that is, seems entirely possible. Especially because the 90s are sort of like... That's the last... A turning point. Yeah, that's the last time... Yeah, and the availability and distribution of, of porn. Well, not just that, it's also, like, the 90s is when we really start to see a decline in the relevance of celebrity. The last gasp of that, I'd say, would be in the 2000s with, like, the blog, the tabloid blog heyday, and then after that, it's just, you know, there's... I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean by celebrity. Traditional movie stars, I guess, would be the way I put it. I think I'd also be willing to say that it was the evolution of a new kind of celebrity that happened entirely because of the collapsing of traditional boundaries between what I vaguely want to call haves and have-nots, but that's not the right way to put it. It's more like people who were frequently in the public eye were previously afforded a like level of distance from the public that loved them that went away in the 90s and especially in the turn of the century. Yeah, I think that that is true, especially when you look at someone, well, like obviously Britney Spears would be like the most famous example where that sort of starts to cuts her hair so way. that people will stop touching it. Like Yeah, Jesus. Ugh. So it's almost like a like a secret like a group like a very elite, the elite group that were closed off, a sorority, if you will, nice. were ex- exposed to the world. Exposed. That's where we got it from. A. It's exposed. Um, one idea that I like that I just came up with is that CJ, you're right. Daphne Lee was gonna do an ascension hoax. She had it all prepared, but then there was an ascension, and she yeah, was like, "Fuck." Was- I do think that the founding myth of the naked goddess, the sect, has a lot of holes in it. There's definitely truth there. I, I think that if the naked goddess was going to go up, it would have been as the star. But I think that what Kate was talking about, about the uh, irrelevance of the star and how the description of it seems off, might be evidence that it didn't happen. Well, I mean, the other thing is archetypes replace other archetypes very frequently. They split off. They... Are they battle for dominance, but the big thing is like so the idea of the star doesn't apply doesn't feel like a good descriptor for celebrity anymore. I think that it does, but in the tarot sense where it is something yeah. visible but distant, it's warm, it's hopeful. You reach out, you wish, and you hope that someday it'll come close enough for you to touch, while understanding that it never will. I will also say. If Torm's theory is real, that Daphne was planning a fake ascension and then a real ascension happened, that would be an incredible prank. Ah, uh, yes, which goes into the other me... part of this theory. Yes, which goes into the other part of your theory, CJ. I think that the fool is having not the last laugh, but possibly the biggest one and the longest one. Uh, I do believe that Daphne Lee faked an ascension by using major unnatural phenomenon to basically melt three people on camera, uh, and that that would be hard to distinguish from an ascension. But leaving that aside, I think that the second coming was definitely the fool reaching down, um, which I think probably gives us a good chance to segue into more recent sect history. Yes. Okay. All right, so the more recent history of the sect of the Naked Goddess is that after the Whisper War, or during the Whisper War, I'm actually not entirely sure on how this timeline uh, fits. Sometime more recently, the Naked Goddess cult has lost their tape. They only have copies. And 
with all VHS tapes, the more that you continue to make copies of copies, the more that the quality degrades. They are moving further and further away from their alleged holy light. So what they attempt to do is basically stage uh, the second coming. And I don't know if, I mean, stage in the sense that they wanted to prepare a stage and create an audience and catch it all on tape less hoaxy. I think that by that point, there was a significant cult that did believe that the goddess was real and were earnestly hoping that she would come down. There were also, apparently, according to the feds, uh, actors against this second coming plan, which was going to be that they were going to like stage another porn shoot. Uh, they were going to see if the naked goddess were visited and they were going to catch the whole thing on digital tape and then put it on the internet. Uh, there was agents from what the feds call the wider cult of the goddess, which is discussed as bogus. I think that was probably just some angry feminists from the potluck group that Daphne Lee burned showing up and probably some other angry internet types who were like, how dare you insinuate that the correct way to be a woman is to be a slut. Um, and then you also got various, uh, like the Mac attacks list. This was incredibly widely infiltrated. Everybody had their finger on it. I think there were sleepers. There were definitely members of TNI. And the most fun part is that somebody called the feds, uh, not the feds that we've been talking about specifically with who write the war gaming manuals, but like the very boring feds. There's a lot of feds. Maybe. There are maybe many, yeah. It could have been that. Yeah. Heinz or Stolze could have been present. We don't know. Greg Stolze walking into what is about to be the funniest swatting in the history of mankind. Yes. <laughs> uh, so what winds up happening is that they're in the middle of the shoot and a FBI SWAT team combo kicks in the door full on, you know, meme knock. Uh, FBI, open up! And what they walk in on is a God coming down from the mirror of heaven to bless the events personally. She reaches down and brushes the cheek of the person leading the charge from the FBI, and she whispers in his ear, and then the orgy erupts on tape. Uh, after the orgy is finished, several things happen in very quick succession. A second wave angry feminist from the existing alleged unquote uh, cult of the goddess has a realization that hey being a turf is kind of fucked up and that the societal problems facing society are wider than just women oppressed and if i've been wrong about all of this the whole time i bet a lot of people are wrong about a lot of things and this is a problem that is endemic in the way that societies form therefore we should not have societies and she walks off and forms the school of motumancy uh and a lot of people go with her uh, meanwhile, Daphne Lee walks out of there with her digital tape of the second coming, puts it on the internet, and gets a total of one new follower. And the person from the FBI SWAT team, who was personally touched by a god, uh, announces at the end of the orgy very quietly that she is a woman. Her name is Mira. It's very nice to meet all of you. And she completely discards her previous identity. Uh, and effectively walks out of there and into myth. According to the sect of the Naked Goddess, they consider her to be an avatar of the Naked Goddess, the first and only. Uh, and she definitely claims that she was visited by a god, uh, but she's never specifically claimed that she's an avatar of the Naked Goddess or that that's who spoke to her. What I believe happened there is uh, this was the most uh, 
occult significant, or it was, it was the swatting with the most occult significance to ever happen, possibly ever. It was also really fucking funny and caught on tape. This is really good, like, really convincing to me because the mental image of the fool pretending to be the naked goddess, touching the cheek of a federal agent, I'm just seeing Bugs Bunny in a wig and a dress, like, about to yeah. kiss Elma Fudd. It's, it's, it's fully on And then, you know, the she, the fool decides, like, hey, you were the instrument of the funniest shit I have seen in a very long time. Sister, I'm gonna let you in on the joke. It's and very good. I, I think that's what happens there. Uh, which then also gives Mira, you know, license and uh, a purview from the fool specifically to go wreak absolute fucking hell in a fake church to a false god uh, without ever confirming or denying anything at all, driving very many people uh, desperately up the wall, creating a small cult around herself by accident that can't even find her long enough to worship her properly. And she now seems to just be kind of doing some stuff that previous uh, fool godwalkers have done. Uh, there was a fool godwalker from the 90s who was mentioned in the federal material for Swap Meet, which was about a meeting of merchants, if I remember correctly. And her power was that she would basically just let the universe take her wherever she wanted. The fool would always make sure that she wound up where she needed to be, where the most interesting things were happening, um, or the funniest, or the most occult significant uh, things. This is also very similar to the way that the cult, especially in modern times, talks about affinity, just letting the universe take and move you. That's always been kind of in the fool's purview. So I think, if anything, the fool has decided that uh, this is really funny. I'm going to pay attention now, and I'm going to see how much of your lunch I can eat. If you're so determined to have a church and a cult, I might as well take as much of it as possible. It, it, does, it is very I, characteristic that's, for that's some of the fool of pole. Genius. I also have a related theory, but I'm not sure how or if it fits into this puzzle. Go for it. So I do think that there's a real archetype here that represents feminine soft power. I don't know if it's actually related to the cult of the naked goddess, except peripherally at all. But you do have this archetype of fem femininity, which CJ and I have somewhat affectionately called a being a messy bitch. <laughs> which is uh, women who use soft power to get what they want. Uh, and this is often associated with the word femme fatale, although I think that word has kind of taken on a connotation. It's a little too specific to noir movies, unfortunately, uh, for what we want. But like you see this, you see this archetype. It's very old. It's like your ladies Macbeths and your Mataharis. Well, people's idea of Matahari, not like apparently the real Matahari might have just been a chump the whole time. Uh, and and yeah, like the the more modern noir femme fatale. And this is basically women who use relationships to get what they want and and who exert soft power and i do wonder if maybe daphne and especially uh jerry have some kind of awareness of this archetype and they don't like it because of how it is historically used to depict women negatively negatively like jerry especially like this anger that she feels after this ascension uh, of like wanting to tear down society if you find out like this archetype of femininity exists that's about how women manipulate people to get what they want and it's sort of baked into this cosmic order like it's entirely on brand if you're like this 
radical feminist to just be like, well, obviously the whole order is wrong and so I have to tear everything down. But that doesn't really fit in with what CJ is talking about with the fool archetype, which I, which I also really like. But I feel like this is maybe in the mix somewhere, somehow. Or like maybe Daphne knows about this or maybe she tried to ascend as something better and less complicated uh, and, and failed. I, I'm not sure exactly, but that's sort of in the mix somehow. I think that there are infinite ways to be a woman. Like, I'm not one, but I did go to women's college. And what I learned there is that there are infinite ways to be a lady. And one of them is to be the messy bitch. One of them is to be a slut. One of them is to uh, be a mother. One of them is uh, to be, you know, flying woman independent. I don't need no man. Anything that you could think of is a way to be a woman in the same way that there is no real singular way to be a man. There's no singular way to be a person. And that's kind of where archetypes come in is that they're all supposed to be facets of people or facets of what a person could be which is part of why you know the woman everyone can have but you never really felt right to me because that's not a person it's an obsession yeah so you know that that's kind of why i would agree that i think that there is some other archetype out there that represents the thing that the cult is driving at but i think it's probably fucking old like i think that that archetype has to be you know almost you know mother or hunter old because uh, yes you know uh what's the word prostitute was the oldest profession Yes. Well, and you have very old religious stories, too. Like, um, well, there's the Lilith story, but I guess that's, that's actually... Lilith like is more flying woman, right. yeah. I think. Lilith is also Fair. flying woman. Her entire thing was, uh, I refuse to be treated as anything less than your equal. But the flying woman is also a fairly young archetype, so whatever... The flying woman may have replaced another more negative archetype in the past. I tend to be of the thought that any archetype that only has like really a negative aspect to it isn't really coherent enough to ascend to the clergy but then there's also the dark stalker so what do i know and the femme fatale is not entirely a negative archetype. i don't think it's, it's entirely a feminine one either the fatale is something that can apply to a man as well the own fatale which admittedly isn't as big in the united states but my understanding is it is very popular archetype in k-dramas if you combine it with the basic idea of like it's a combination of danger and desire yes i mean that is a so that is um applied to the femme fatale in a feminine way but it's there's nothing that's gender neutral to be that's entirely gender it's gonna be gender neutral yeah i think it gets associated with women more because for a very long yeah. time and still somewhat to this day it was kind of very very difficult for women to grab uh hard power Nice. So tempering it, yeah, right. So tempering it with uh, soft. I'm on a roll. God. Uh, tempering it with soft power, or attempting to grab it using soft power. Uh, yes. Putting the hand on the gun, as it were. Uh, that for a long time is probably the only way, or the best way, or the most uh, accessible way for women to get. I don't know what to call it. Military power, hard power. Let's keep going with hard and, power because uh, yeah. it's funny. Well, yeah. there's also but yeah, no. I, th- I think you're you're right, CJ. Is it becomes associated with women because of the historic role of women in society, and just to some extent, still the role of women in society. I'm not gonna you can unpack, you know, workplace shit or whatever. Yeah. But like, it is still to some extent true that women uh, will have more difficulty succeeding in society if they try to exercise hard power directly. Though definitely less so than than it has been historically. And there's you know there's concrete material causes of that you know something something Samuel Colt something something 
Uh, all men are created yes, before exactly. that, uh, Colt okay. made them. So, well, yeah, yes, that's our shit. Um, but the the means of violence are the, the having control over violence is not uh, has been democratized for a lot of reasons in the past couple hundred years. The traditional feminine weapon of prior to uh, to uh, guns would be uh, poison is sort of like the coded feminine way of killing someone i have a bit of a like spicy take it's all like leads back to the reptile brains like ability to look and see like i don't like this person can i fuck them up yes no no okay i'll try something else <laughs> because like the number of stories i've heard like my mom telling me stories about like the older girls that would like chase her friends around and just beat the crap out of them and like it's it seems to be that when women are in a position that they can use hard power, they do. And when men are in a position where they can't use hard power, they'll often resort to soft power. Like, all the stereotypes yes. about, like, oh, women are better at gossiping and all this sort of thing. It's like, men will do that absolutely just as well if they have to, to get what they want. Well, that's the thing to me is, like, what was being gestured at before about the messy bitch archetype. Is anything about that description woman-specific? No. The whole reliance on the soft power and all that stuff. It's perhaps, quote-unquote, woman-coded, but... I, I think... Yeah, I mean, I think that... I think that if the, the clergy is a reflection of a society, it becomes feminine only because of the way society is structured. And I think as our attitudes about gender begin to unstiffen... <laughs> nice uh yeah, then, the, buddy. then it becomes less coded you guys stuff. are having the time I of your lives you also you? talk yeah listen we've had think... 18 hours of listening to Tormson. uh no yeah. that's fair we've all we've all earned a right to have a few dick jokes you're absolutely correct <laughs> i torm i may have invented you saying this so please correct me if i just imagined this whole thing but didn't you once talk about like an early like it was a greco-roman archetype of masculinity that's very similar to the femme fatale because of like it's the sexual norms of that time and place it's Pagli's beautiful boy oh, yeah. we're accidentally going to invite something here yeah, but this is also I've a good test to see if he can you know go here without it uh dominating the next four hours of it's our true, lives it's true let me see if i could find my document that i, I okay I, he's not just quoting that's good i've seen this document it's fun it is a beautiful little uh, string cork board, conspiracy board. I love it. Because the beautiful boy described by Paglia um, as one of the great sexual persona, and it may be that Paglia just has a fetish or has a... Uh, because she, there is some, there are things that have been said Paglia's about sexuality Paglia. is complex. That's that's fine. And yeah, it's, it's, it's complex. But she, descri she describes it as the, one of the West's great sexual personae and talks about how the beautiful boy is an androgyne, luminously masculine and feminine, with a male muscle structure but a dewy girlishness. And I was thinking about how porn stars are often given exaggerated female characteristics but with male-coded sexual appetites. Um, and it, she also goes on about how the, the beautiful boy it, it portrayed in ancient Greek art was very Apollonian in the sense that all eyes were on him. And I'm like thinking that's just like the, the male gaze. Um, and what else do I got, got here? Um, she's got a thing. Um, I've got one bit that says the beautiful boy suspended in time is physicality without physiology. He does not eat, drink or reproduce. And I've got a note next to it saying girls don't fart. So it's, it's all... Yes. <laughs> It's all connected. It's all connected. 
it's interesting because like as part of going to this I, I did watch a couple femme fatale movies and one of the two femme fatale movies we watched was Laura which is an interesting movie because that is a movie where Laura never does anything wrong but because she's so adept at wielding soft power everyone projects sort of these ideas on her and, and this desire on her that she has basically done nothing to uh, to attract outside of being a woman who is polite but assertive. <laughs> like, she's good at manipulating people, but, like, never in a way that sort of... It always escalates way past where it should. Yeah, like, there, like there's funny because there's the woman anyone can have but you, and there is a character in that uh, in that movie who who is that to, who thinks that way about Laura, but that's nothing about how Laura behaves. Like, that's 100% in the way that he treats Laura because of his own incelness. I wonder if there's some strange like connection between like that with the beautiful boy and and porn stars in the 90s and like modern like e-celebrities something to do with like constrained agency and the gaze of but now it's not just the male gaze it's all the it's just the gaze of of the Apollonian public there must be something there. I'd argue yeah I'd argue there's an aspect of that to pretty much all avatars because so much of that is just coached in how others perceive you, right? Your avatar's strength is not what you are, it's what other people think you yeah, are. Yeah, it's not based on interiority in the slightest. What if the na- if there was an ascension, and the naked goddess is just a label, but that woman ascended as the archetype? The archetype of the, av- Wait, the, archetype, of the archetype? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Alright, I'm lost, explain. Ugh. We're veering dangerously close to Derrida. Well, yeah, we're getting too fucking meta here. <laughs> this does kind of go back to what something that I started this with, which is that I think the naked goddess is a whole. You can project whatever you want into the space where she supposedly exists. Yeah, the archetype. Do well, I argue that's the, the point. That's the entire point of what that archetype is supposed to represent. It might be less confusing to to call it the archetype of the face. Let's go with that. Well, that hurts my brain and, less. Well, that's the an interesting thing is that consistently the naked goddess and often depictions of the broader goddess um, going back into antiquity depict her without a face. But see, if you're the archetype of the face, ironically, you have no that face. That would only be fitting. Yeah, yeah, because you have no real face. It's your your face is your sort of your persona that other people project on you, and what you what you become good at manipulating as an archetype is is you're good at getting people to project what they want to see onto you, which is a channel <laughs> of the actual yes! naked goddess. Yes, presumption. Fifty one to seventy. Uh, presumption so too the avatar is seen at all times as the ideals and fetishes that her observers have rather than who she is no role is required for this that happens all the time though she can suppress it for 5-10 minutes with an effort of will choosing to resist the illusion is a self forecheck. I mean that doesn't sound like presumption to me that sounds like flat out projection yeah yeah I would agree I, I guess in a perfect world you would specify that the face that she is is always an idealized one or like a or like one that captures someone else's desire but like there's no there's no well an interesting that, thing so. that they spell out with this is that this idealized vision is specific person to person and she doesn't know what they see when they look at her only that yeah. they probably aren't seeing her for her though you know she can bluff along with it that whole aspect of her not knowing 
what they see is super fucking interesting. That's yeah, also how that Doctor is... Who's psychic paper works. <laughs> uh-huh. I will also say, uh-huh. in, the, in the femme fatale movies I've seen, that is an element of it. So, like, in one of the other ones I watched, which is Gilda, part of it is her, her former lover, like, assumes that she's leading this, this sort of salacious double life, but she actually isn't. She's just kind of uh, doing her own thing, and that's what he chooses to see, if that makes well, sense. Well, and that's... So, building so, an like, archetype... Based purely off projection. That gets weird. It's it's a divinity yeah. that you want to clothe. It's like a it's like a naked goddess. Yep, there and it is. Here's what I think may be kind of the core of it, if the naked goddess is in fact a real archetype. It's not based on all the shit of the woman everyone can have but you, the woman you can't have, yada yada yada. It's sort of an archetype of this collection of everyone's ideals of what an ideal woman is supposed to be aggregated into a single figure. So this is also part of why I don't think that there could be an avatar like that in the same way that I don't think you could have an avatar of the man. Like, I mean, you could have an avatar of the man and mean the feds, but you could not have an avatar that is like, all men are this. Yeah. Yeah. The ar- the, I, the I archetype think, think... of the Chad. <laughs> Somebody please write up that uh, potential document. I want to see. Yeah, I think what, what you're driving at, Frank, is maybe a little different than what Torm and I... No, like, I, I definitely know, agree I'm with you there. I'm having trouble. Are... Okay. And all this shit gets very wobbly, especially, again, because most archetypes, I think, are fundamentally based on characters that show up in storytelling Right. Yeah. Like stuff like the hunter or the MVP or the mother or the crone or the guide. All these things are tied into, you know, Joseph Campbell sort of <laughs> mythology shit, right? I guess I would say the difference between what you're talking about, Frank, and what Tor I mean, I know I realize that you recognize that there's a difference, yeah. but the difference between what Torm and I are talking about and what you're talking about is that the figure that Torm and I are talking about, if which is less necessarily gendered, seems to be someone who knows that other people are projecting something on them and chooses to use that to their advantage, whether maliciously or not. Does does that jive with what, what you were thinking, Torm? It does fit a lot with what Mira's doing, because she is enigmatic, yeah. doesn't say anything, like, and people make assumptions about what, what her game is, or like theories. Uh, it's a tactic of the fool, perhaps, or something else. Mostly what she's described as doing in the book is the kind of shit that they used to have the Comte do. I think they were really just, uh, I think federal buddies were really, really desperate to just have a GMC that they could say yes. shows up when interesting things happened and watches and maybe makes some uh, concerning comments about it as the players do stuff. And I think that's just Mira now. Uh, that's also the fool. You know, they were trying to have it be... Yeah, which which is very fool, and uh, I I think that there's something very kind of great about uh, you are having some sort of uh, occult hoedown, and you suddenly see a woman in a white dress with a gigantic bucket of popcorn and a chicken leg <laughs> in one chair, and she just and when you ask her what's going on, she just goes lol lamau before somebody gets shot. I I like the mirror. I continue to like the mirror as fool concept, and I think that she fits that concept better than she fits sort of this archetype that I am trying I, to stab she could at. Fit either and also it could be because the fool has 
lots of different aspects. But also, archetypes do ally with each other for different reasons, their own inscrutable motivations. So there could be something going on up there. If the naked goddess ascended as something, maybe she made friends with the fool. Who knows? I I will say, to me, like, the sort of the cornerstone perhaps the real taboo of this this archetype that i i'm sort of trying to to form in my head is that they're always uh any 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 relationship they form that's that's sort of intimate has to be made to their advantage uh and to me mira is not really doing that from what we can see which which is one reason i kind of like mira continue to like mira as fool because she's not really manipulating people or if she is maybe she's just not very good at it (laughs) she's also failing to or refusing to form uh intimate relationships like she even friendships like she's got all these people who are following around waiting for her to tell them what she wants so that they can turn her into the new godhead cult uh leader and she just kind of goes you know hey this one time something happened to me in a kfc parking lot and uh here's my take on a parable about it and then she wanders off literally into the mist and nobody is sure where she goes after that yeah it'd be like that sometimes. yeah whereas the person i'm describing would not do that they would they would see how can i use like maybe not maybe not in an evil way but they would turn that situation to their advantage in that right. sense daphne perhaps resembles her more than anyone else but uh, I, I still don't think that Daphne is I don't think motivation has anything to do with archetype or at least true motivation so much as perceived motivation if you get what I mean yeah but I don't think Mira is channeling a perceived motivation of using people either. no I agree there I think there's this assumption that archetypes I'm talking about archetypes archetypes not, not just people channeling that archetypes need to have some sort of character there. They need some sort of motivation. And I don't think that's necessarily true. We know that when people ascend to the clergy, they become something both more and less than human. I think they become less interesting as characters in a role-playing game if they don't have a motivation. (laughs) And again, this is to a certain degree perception, but this ties into the whole inscrutability aspect of the naked goddess in that there's this idea that you know, you can't understand her true motives, yada, yada, yada. And I think what that archetype, that claimed archetype is getting at is like, it doesn't necessarily need to be a character, just a, an, ar- an archetype does not necessarily need to be a character, just needs to be a widely recognized human figure that is recognized as I human. think the other thing right. about archetypes is that usually, if you can just, like, you need to kind of be able to describe them in a sentence for, or, you know, like a very short paragraph for me to believe that you actually have an archetype on your hands. You can't do that with the naked goddess, but everything else that is listed as an archetype, you kind of can. Like, yeah. uh, the hunter is the guy who hunts stuff. The king is the guy who is the king. The mother is the woman who is a mother. And so on and so on. Even when you get into, you know, more esoteric stuff like the dark stalker, which we mentioned before, even the dark stalker, you can point and say, it's that spooky stranger. It's the guy following you in the parking lot uh, who makes you grab your keys real, real tight and hope that he is not going to ask you for, you know your phone or whatever the fuck. I've actually, I don't remember hearing about this archetype. Is this a second ed archetype? Well, I, it might be first ed actually, I think. Darkstalker kind of comes from like the whole Michael Myers it's thing. It's a serial and killer. It was... It's a serial, uh, it's the, okay. mo- sl- it's the slasher movie villain as an archetype. Okay, okay. It was, yes. it was an archetype that um, was included with an adventure rather than a splat book and seemed to be used because they wanted to have an archetype of a, a Darkstalker and so invented for that. So whether it's real or not, I, I mean, really it's, come up since. it's plausible enough. But the Darkstalker 
And the Hunter seems similar, too similar to me, because the Hunter, yeah, hundred men, hundred people. Yeah, but that that's the the, the Doc Stalker is the Hunter of the most dangerous game. Well, yeah, yes. but that, God damn it, I wanted to make that joke. The thing for me there, it makes sense to have Seal Killer versus Hunter as different archetypes because the Stasphere is so humanocentric that that difference between Hunter of Beast versus Hunter of Men is a very humanocentric difference, and we tend to think of those sort of figures very differently, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And serial killers don't generally release the dogs. Yeah, they yeah, like you 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 can't ima- can you imagine Ted Bundy saying release the hounds? Not really. Back to CJ's original point. Yeah, like the Darkstalker, the archetype of the slasher movie villain or serial killer. Like that's easy to explain. What I, I mean if there were a single thing that I would use to describe the naked goddess as, like, a pithy thing, it would be sexual fantasy. Right, but that, so this is where we get into my other point, which is that I think even as much as all archetypes are kind of, like, visions of characters, I think to some extent they have to be uh, something that a person could be, not just something that a person could be perceived as, right? Like, you really can be a king or a mother or a hunter, you really can be a woman who flies a plane, but a person is not an object of sexual desire, like, it's just not how people are. In the same way, I, you guys talked about this in your Alex Abel episode, uh, that the white black man, or whatever the hell, you know, the man who succeeded where you didn't, that's not a person. That's not a thing that a person can be. That's something that other people can project onto someone. But there's no internality to that at all. Then my question for that, I guess, would be, how does one become the Heisenberg messenger? Is that Fox News anchor, I guess? No, I think the Heisenberg Messenger has internality because no, I'm not talking about the internality question. Matters a lot. I'm not talking about the internality question. Like the the whole idea you had about becoming exemplifying this figure. How does one exemplify the Heisenberg Messenger? And then that I'm worried that what might actually be happening here is just archetypes as a whole are getting a lot more complex and hard to describe as our culture becomes more based on um i guess relativity not in the physics sense and that's why there's a hard limit because otherwise if there's like more than 333 the cosmos is just it's a lot a lot of the most recent archetypes seem to be coached in a fundamental subjectivity that older ones aren't Maybe the idea is that we're running out of objective archetypes and the only things that are left to fill the remaining seats is the subjective shit. Yeah. Maybe... There's an idea. Maybe the real postmodernism was the masturbatory intellectualism we injected into our game book along the way. Well, no, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely true. (laughs) That's true for postmodernism in every medium it touches. Someone's going to ascend as the masturbatory... The masturbatory intelligence. Okay, that is a thing you can perform, though. Yeah, fact, you can actually perform it's it all pretty poorly. What do you think ZZX has been yeah. trying to do for the past It's decade? all in the wrist, specifically. That, okay. Well, no, no, ZZX does have ZZX does have that one bit about how idea sex for him is just the the dildo and the fleshlight, and then you guys, while those two are going at it, you go to the other room and talk about movies. The idea of the titty is more compelling than the titty. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, fantastic. We've satisfied our superegos. Let's go in the other room and uh, talk about shared interests. I think what's interesting to me is actually, uh, Frank, your prapaturgy concept, uh, 
I think hits the idea of weird sex cult magic better than Pornomancy does. I agree. So Pornomancy, like, let's... The whole paradox of sex and no love was like, what? People have sex without love all the time. That's not a paradox. And people have love without sex constantly. Yes. I mean, like... Even romantic love, yeah. All of the time. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's, that's not a paradox. I mean, the better paradox I've heard for that is, like, it's sex without... That becomes so rote that there's no longer any desire in it, but I mean, th- th- that's also not I paradoxical. I can see sex without passion or sex without pleasure, yeah. but that's still not, like... And, like, they, they do dedicate a lot of time when describing the sex of the naked goddess to, hey, none of this sex is fun anymore. I really think that this... So here's uh, part of my complaint about the sect of the naked goddess, and this is, like, wargaming specific. I'm going to take the mask off slightly here. Uh Part of my problem with this entire concept is that it very much feels like I am having to wade through somebody else's really obvious fetish before I'm allowed to play the game, specifically due to the way that the Naked Goddess is written into the fabric of the occult society is presented in Unknown Armies. Um, yeah, I kind so of So it feels very like, you know, uh, dare you enter my magical realm uh, yes. as Greg Stolze reveals his forest of pissy trees as far as the eye can see. And uh, that, I that, the was, that was John Tynes, not Stolze. It was John Tynes came up with the Naked Goddess. Uh, okay, so it's John Tynes that I need to punch in the eye before I am allowed to graciously pass unpissed. That, 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 that is a bit of both. John Tynes came up with the original concept. Stolze fleshed it out. They're both a bit to blame, I think. <laughs> fleshed it out. There you it go. It does feel a little more Tynesy into me personally, yeah. but that could be my bias speaking. But yeah, there is definitely that element of it. Even in third edition, I'm like, I don't care about your weird orgy. I just, it doesn't let me play my game. <laughs> it's also kind of that, like, there's some weird undertones about there that are like, this is what we think women are, or rather that, like, we think this is what empowerment for women looks like. Uh, and it's very odd because it also kind of has this undertone of like, you know, women don't poop, except it's like women don't actually enjoy sex. They just use it for power, uh, which is like very weird. And I'm not trying to like insinuate things about Stolze or Tynes as people. I'm not, I mean, beyond that they have weird fetishes, but I think everybody who breeds has weird fetishes. It's more that like, there's a very weird taste left in the mouth by the naked goddess, pun intended. And it makes it really difficult to play as a role-playing game or interact with as a game mechanic. Unfortunately, it's everywhere. I need to start leaving, getting tally marks for these. I wonder if, like, the flying woman and the naked goddess are, like, the UA equivalent of, like, the Madonna whore syndrome. No, I think you're right. In that some is what's ways, going yeah. on there. Yeah. No, I, I agree with CJ that I think a lot of it is, un- is unconscious. Like, they're not trying to... If anything, I think they're trying to avoid those traps, but they just sort of... They stepped around one rake and then hit the other rake square yes. in the face. Yes, exactly. That you, you put it very succinctly. <laughs> it does sh- very much strike me of nerdy, nerdy guy in the 90s trying to be progressive, not not really doing a very good job at it, and then just doubling down of like no no we swear this is this we're saying something very very profound about human sexuality and gender roles i do think it's easier to to avoid in third edition than in second edition i will say yeah i and part of that i think is also the change to tni has made that a little easier to avoid because previously the whole tni versus cult thing was well, one of these is the manly cult, and the other one is the lady cult, and they don't <laughs> like each other. Yeah. 
I, it, it doesn't help in my case that TNI never really interested me either, so like those are two parts of second edition I especially don't know very much about. TNI, I think, is more interesting in second edition than third edition. I would agree with that, but I think that's because I play a lot of Delta Green. So I well, think yeah. it's more easy to interact with as a player and as a writer to just point and go, look, that's a guy who's paying for your high-powered sniper rifle and also gave you a job. Yeah, but still something for them to do. It's mostly a framing device, but it's a decent framing device. Third edition TNI is not very well developed. I don't know much. I can't remember. None of the much factions in third edition are very well developed. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, the thing for me about the second naked goddess is I find interesting stuff there, but the sex stuff is the least interesting part about it. It's more than it is unfortunately the thing that gets the most page count. Yeah. Yeah. It's I like it as a religion, like a new yes, religion. Yes, exactly. As an avatar as a modern take on an avatar cult. I find it very interesting. I would agree with that. I think that there's definitely stuff in there that's interesting to me, but I as I've argued, I think that you can take all of it away from even being an avatar and you still get to have the fun cult bit. I included um in Goad, I included one of the like campaign suggestions I had was like the Sect of the Naked Goddess equivalent of the the Council of Nicaea where they decided what <laughs> books were going in the Bible and the idea was they're like scouring through like all these like old porn tapes trying to and arguing over which ones deserve to be part of the canon for philosophical reasons and not um, I don't know there's some there's a, there's a game in there somehow. That's the thing, because, like, there are two aspects of the Cycle Naked Gods I find very interesting. It's the modern take on the Avatar cult and the sex cult that really dives down on the mundanity of being in a sex cult for a long period of time. The, my issue is that I don't think they really ever square the circle between those aspects very well. And I think that Pornomancy sort of gets to the heart of where they're going with it. I think that there's something like affinity doesn't make sense with it. I think trying to shoehorn affinity in was to give like a little more credibility to the entire concept of Cornomancy of the Naked Goddess and it failed. But what is interesting about it to me is the idea of let's have sex with absolutely no passion, pleasure or like personal fulfillment or desire at all other than the desire to get mystical power. And in return, you can warp the desires of the people around you to make them want whatever you want them to want. I think that's interesting. I think that there is something there that is gameable. Where it starts getting weird in the gameplay sense is, like, affinity, because what that sounds like to me is just gutter magic with less steps. Well, that's interesting because they seem to have added affinity to make it, like, a bit less crass, almost, to give it some depth, like... But right. they would have it would have been better off just to leaning into like yeah it's a sex it's sex cult it's naked goddess just go it's what it is it is what it is yeah that's a thing in real life you know <laughs> when I think Unknown Armies is often at its strongest when it's playing into dumb things that people do in real life yeah I mean I think part of what irks me about the concept of the naked goddess cult in canon the way that it's described is this idea that it is like morally okay or that it's woke or that you know this is a good thing really trust us i that doesn't interest me and the hand-wringing about it just makes it more unattractive and makes me go like yeah so you're aware on some level of what you did and why yeah, it's bad that there's a lot of fucked up implications in all this and the more you scramble to try to make them go away like the more glaring it all becomes yeah just 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 go straight like tell just Say, just tell us it's fucked up. This is yeah. fucked up. Yeah. This is fucked up. Implications. Let's talk about the implications. Not yeah. Not yeah. trying to cover it up. It's worse then. This is fucked up. It's not because 
sex is fucked up, it's because the sex they're having is fucked up. Yes, yes. They're treated like every other adept school, you know? Like, the bad sex is something that they do to get magic power, and it's weird. Like, the same guy who, like, the guy from Videomancy who watches Judge Judy every single time it comes on so that he can gain the wisdom of the judges. That's weird. He's not watching TV for fun. He's watching it so that he can get mystical power. Like, just treat it like every single other adept school, and most of the problems with it don't go away, but they fade, and you can chalk them up to, adepts are weird. Yeah, they start to make sense again. There's a lot of stuff in UA like that, I think, where it's like, ooh, there's a kernel of a really interesting idea here that just didn't stick to landing. Yeah, that's a that's uh, that's a lot of UA, and honestly, like, it kind of works for me because I just sort of end up doing my own thing anyway. Yeah. But yes, if you want to use everything out of the book as written, it's it will become a problem pretty quickly. <laughs> and I know, uh, just to pivot for a second, uh, Torm, you had something you were talking to me about a while ago where you have a very specific take on how you think that the sect operates and why you like them and uh you know in your head this is how they would work could you share that well okay this is uh, sort of what i was talking about before like how i want it to be progressing from being the sex cult to a sex religion because i like the idea of it being like hegemonic within sex cults like as daphne lee wanted to introduce the world to the magic but through the naked goddess and whether it was a hoax or not this still works um and i like sort of the the idea that they're very much like um the early church the chalcedonian church where there was like splits between more gnostic sects and um, non-gnostic sects and seeing daphne lee the hierophant the imperatrix because the word imperatrix does link to catholicism having the evolution of the sect of the naked goddess become more like christianity and casting daphne lee as um pole to the naked goddess as jesus or mira's jesus and interpreting things in that way and do it using that sort of inspiration as opposed to and that driving them their motivations being to be not just a sex cult but the sex cult um, might be interesting. Yeah, then you can start having, like, cult warfare between them and the Praviturges, which would be really fucking funny. Oh, oh, that would be very good. Frank, when are you gonna write that campaign? <laughs> I'm not gonna be the guy that writes that campaign, Jesus Christ. If you get a sex cult, then you get a sex religion. Oh, no, Jesus Christ, then you get a sex well, no, I was gonna say, that's the name of the cult, that's the name of the campaign. Oh, God. What, Jesus Christ porn star? No, oh god. Oh, just oh god. Which works pretty well, actually. The story of the sex jihad? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would contain an equivalent amount of uh, Spangles, Lycra, and body glitter. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> oh god. It's like that... <laughs> I mean... It's like that story, that sex story, sexy story game you use those hands for, those those sticky hands. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just a man... <laughs> what?! I like I know what, the, what you're talking about, but I haven't heard of the story game. Oh my gosh! I'll see if I can find it. I'm not sure I can, but um, I do. I have said before I like the idea of like um, there being multiple layers of uh, like occult undergrounds that only like peripherally engage with each other. 
because they have completely different motivations. And I do like the idea of combining some of my ideas for Mac attacks and the different factions and the whole burger wars going on at the same time while, meanwhile, the sect of the Naked Goddess is launching its crusade on all other sex cults. And this is happening at the same time, but only sometimes interacts with each other. Can you imagine somebody busting into a KFC, you know, like wearing only a loincloth? And uh, screaming death to the infidel before shooting another guy in the booth who, like, just happens to be a porn star that you've never heard of. Then you have to investigate. Because. Yeah, there you go. go. That's that's the campaign opener. (laughs) You were buddies with that porn star. There's a woman in a white dress. There's a woman in a white dress with a bucket (laughs) of chicken. Yeah, no, what, if I ever include the Naked Goss in one of my games now, she's always going to have a bucket of chicken. That's obligatory now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Mira just likes uh. chicken. She knows what she's about. Oh, God. Um, if nothing else, I don't think Praviturges would ever able to get organized enough to launch a counterattack against the sex of the naked guys. That also seems a little bit too uh, worldly concerns slash worldly desires for them. Like, if yeah. somebody's trying to shoot a private church, they just kind of go, uh, do it, coward, you won't. <laughs> I've become if something live, more just powerful than you the- possibly imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I live, I'll just jack off into the wound and get a major. Well, this th- th- that's Why? the thing. That's the, that's the campaign. You have a friend who's a private church, and they're being hunted by the sect of the Naked Goddess for their Prevaturgy uh, heresy and they don't care but you do because they're your friend probably your only friend he, you haven't <laughs> talked to this guy in a while he got weird yeah. Yeah. he got like extra weird you, he's like hey man how you doing you, uh, you touch base on Facebook you... oh so some weird sex cult tried to kill me and you find out why it's like oh fuck now I'm too invested in this to stop <laughs> This is like, I feel like this is like Torm if he was really into masturbating. (laughs) That's a hypothetical? (laughs) I can't speak for Torm's private life. Oh, God. I'm not the one who wrote Prevaturgy. No, that that was divinely inspired. I wrote that in a fit of of stimulant-induced mania. You can't put that evil on me. <laughs> well, hmm. <laughs> I will say you've successfully made me curious to read Privaturgy, which no one has done before. I need so. to go back to that at some point because, like, I reread it a couple months ago, and there's a lot of typos. I need to give that another editing pass at some point. I'll probably do that. Like, uh, like it, it was written in a uh, <laughs> a masturbatory fit of peak. Um, there we go. Fuck, I wrote most of that like. In um anyway okay let's let's get back to discussing naked goddess and or her sect um we've there's a lot of very interesting alternative theories that we've run into here i think the most compelling to me is the one about the fool like just too much fits into place there also it's really funny which um yes biases me towards that doesn't hurt i i do think one of the key motivators behind uh whenever archetypes interfere with um the realm below the satisphere it's just hey guys wouldn't it be really funny if i did this i think that is also specifically the fool's entire bag and uh i i think if kate's right and that there is some other archetype that the naked goddess is sort of either stealing or supplanting or is like 
uh, stealing the idea space from, I could totally see that archetype tapping the fool on the shoulder and being like, hey, buddy, want to help me out? It would be really funny. The obvious one for the obvious one for that would be some aspect of the triple goddess. Also, if uh, if the archetype uh, has to use a relationship to her advantage, as I surmise, uh, then she would also be fulfilling her archetype by getting the full helper. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do wonder that if there was a great big hoax, there but there was a woman who disappeared, like allegedly, um, unless she was the whole whole life was, like. She, her life was faked and then half erased or like faked half so it looked like it was erased but if the, whoop, there was a person that either was like disintegrated by Daphne Lee or ascended or whatever like so I have a theory on that one which I think I forgot to bring up at the time but I'll do it now which is that uh, they lost the tape because a bunch of intropomancers were angry at them for some reason question mark I think that what Daphne Lee did in order to hoax the tape was she erased three people from existence, which sounds like an atropomancer major to me. Uh, and I think that she never made good on whatever bargain she owed them in exchange for getting that favor. That's and interesting. And they called to collect at the worst possible time for her. I have heard some theories that around that atropomancy started as a fool cult actually so oh, that's that would check uh, out on they're that all like surrendering to fate yes exactly i can see it yeah one thing i like about this there's two things i like about this theory of the full the the, the full, full theory and like the reinterpretation of death it's foolproof hey see i'm not the only one doing it i'm just the one making most of the sex jokes that's a, that's a valuable asset for this episode um one it like the description of Daphne Lee that I'm sort of like the image of Daphne Lee I'm getting in my head from this recording is less of an unknown army's NPC and more of an unknown army's PC of things just going wildly out of control and her desperately trying yes. to like hang on to the situation and salvage. I think any good it. unknown army's NPC is completely indistinguishable from an unknown army's PC, to be honest. That's how it should if be. They're a, if they're a good, yeah, if they're a good NPC or GMZ or whatever, they should feel like it like we all know what happens with Anunnaki's characters things go wrong they somehow achieve their original goal in an incredibly twisted and warped monkey's paw-esque way and fuck up a lot and route. I will say one of the best Unknown Armies uh, GMCs I've ever seen to do that is from Torms and Zero Yen game which was uh, Yoshida's brother gosh what was his name Yoshioka Yoshioka ah what a brilliant disaster. But anyway, <laughs> stay tuned for more from an upcoming splat. Yes. Also, the other thing I like about the, the fool theory is the fact that there's the whole thing about the naked goddess being like a new archetype, a new, more subjective, postmodern archetype. But no, it's just one of the most ancient of archetypes fucking around yes. again. <laughs> you clowns thought you understood how it worked? Lol, Lamau, let a real jokester show you the ropes. It works. It works very well. A good joke is timeless. Thompson, you still with us, mate? I, yeah, I, well, look, I, this has been good conversation. This has been a very good conversation. There's a lot more to get into because if we compare, like, a lot of what's been brought up does remind me of the way the Western eye makes things. 
idols after learning. Let's just let me. Okay, I know. I know you've got me tied up, and I know, but and I know what you're trying to do. But like, who's making me glow? Oh, god damn it! Blessings, goddesses, your high priestess wishes you love and light. We have arrived on Earth to celebrate the dawning of the Age of Aquarius. And we are calling all lightworkers, goddesses, and empaths to join us in ascending from the fourth to the fifth dimension. Our gift the key, the secret to ascending <laughs> is the golden rule. Because if you cannot treat others the way that you would like to be treated, and if you think that violence and deception and exploitation is true power, <laughs> 
must remain in the fourth dimension with those who have no integrity and think that our rules do not apply to them. As Janice said in the film Mean Girls, there are two kinds of evil people in the world. There are those who do evil stuff and there are those who watch evil stuff being done and don't try to stop it. We hope you join us and we wish you peace with gratitude and we'll see you in the water. Ha, ha, ha.